0: a dose of hope.com. My guest today is Cassie Hanushek. Business takes vision. You've got that. Branding takes strategy. Cassie's a brand strategist and designer with almost 15 years experience working with startups to large corporations. She's incredibly passionate about empowering thought-leading entrepreneurs with brand clarity and consistency needed to thrive through her five-step big brand method for small businesses. You don't need magic to build a big brand, but you do need a method. With the right guidance and resources, you can confidently build a strong foundation for your brand that primes you for unparalleled growth and success. Cassie Hanushek and Robert talk about branding and vision. Entrepreneurs need brand alignment that communicates their message consistently and effectively. Well, Cassie, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm uh, excited to have this conversation.
1: I am too. It's great to be here. Nice to meet you, Robert.
0: Nice to meet you as well. So. always have our guests just share their own entrepreneurial journey and what got them to what they're working on today.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay. So I'm one of those few lucky people that knew from a very early age what my talent was and what I wanted to do. Um, I, I started in art classes when I was a young girl. I knew by sophomore in high school that I was going to go to art school. I was going to be a graphic designer. And That's what I did. I had parents that supported me and pushed me in the direction that I wanted to go. And I got my graphic design degree and immediately started working in the industry. So I started working, I started doing invitations and then later went to work for a branding agency and then later an advertising PR agency. Um, I knew however, when I started my family, when, you know, when I got pregnant with my son, that I needed to take a step back from the marketing world, the intense deadlines, those 60 hour work weeks, right? I wanted to prioritize my family. So I went back into the event industry. I was designing invitations full time for those early toddler years. And I knew when my son started school um, that I was going to start my own business and go back into branding. So, gosh. Early on, right after he was born, my life kind of got turned upside down, and my whole trajectory kind of shifted. Um, I went through a divorce, and everything I had had intended changed. Um, From that experience, though, I kind of got a love of psychology triggered in me. You know, I was was going down that self-discovery path that we all go down. I was... Reading all the books, I was doing all the self growth. And really, that's when a passion of branding was born because design and psychology, that's where they intersect, right? That's the meeting point. So, when my son started school, it was 2020. (laughs) um, I filed for my LLC at the beginning of the year. And what a wild ride, right? What a year to make the leap and start a business. I was working in the event industry which crumpled overnight.
0: Um, Good timing that side.
1: <laughs> it really was. But honestly, looking back on it, I see it as quite a gift. Um, being a single mom, working a full-time job and trying to start a business would have been insane. And all of a sudden, I had the time that I needed to focus. So, so yeah, that's, that's my story in a nutshell.
0: Let's dig into that idea a little bit, right? Because the ability to design your own business, design your life and then build a business around it is something so few experience. And so obviously you did it out of necessity. (laughs) It was a requirement. And so share a little bit about how that worked for you.
1: That's a good question. Um, So it was really in that, that period of everything changing where I have really had to sit and take the time to think and look deep and figure out what it was I wanted. And once you have a plan for where you want to go, then you can figure out what's going to get you there, right? You always have to start with the destination before you can complete the journey. Um, so that was really, that was not a quick, easy process either. It sounds simple, but it's not easy. We all know that. Um, It probably took me about two or three years before I really figured out where I wanted to go and really took the first steps to take myself there. And of course it's, it's changed along the way. It's been three years. I'm I'm three years into my business now and things shift as you grow.
0: Well, and that's the, that's the exciting part is that you, you can shift. It doesn't have to be perfect. Uh, You just have to get started. Absolutely. And I think so many people are trying to make it perfect and have perfect plans. And of course, the minute you have perfect plans and you execute that they become perfect trash. <laughs> and, and and you have to put all be able to let go of those plans in order to to move forward with what's working.
1: You're you're talking to a perfectionist here. Okay. <laughs> My motto this year was do it messy. Because I had so many new things I was trying and I was kind of falling into that place of analysis paralysis, mm. you know, where you're kind of paralyzed by fear and you're, gosh, you're keeping yourself busy more so than productive. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. You can't let perfection hold you back. And that's a really hard and scary thing for someone like me.
0: <laughs> Must be designers and artists in general, I think. <laughs> so, you're not alone in that. First of all, just clarify that aspect, right? So let's talk about the fear and and what worked to help you face that fear and move forward.
1: Um, I think one of the, one of the most common causes of failure in general is when you're kind of overtaken by that feeling of temporary defeat. So kind of understanding that you can either quit or you can keep going, right? And both hurt and both are hard. And so you just have to choose your heart. So coming to that decision, like I have two decisions to make. I have two choices to make. I can go this way or I can go this way. What are the consequences? What are the benefits? That's kind of what's kept me going forward. Like they both hurt. They're both hard. Choose your heart.
0: So what's given you the courage to bet on Cassie?
1: Oh, my son. (laughs) Definitely. He's six now he's going into first grade and yeah he's my everything so
0: (laughs) well that's awesome i love i mean obviously having a powerful why is is motivation to jump up out of bed and and do what you've got to do
1: right yeah absolutely you have to do what you have to do and i'm blessed that i do have um, time to myself so he does spend some time with his dad um a couple times a month on the weekends. And I, I can struggle finding my balance sometimes. So when I look at it, I do have consistency and I do have balance. It's just over a longer time period than most people do. Sure. <laughs> most people look to the day to day or the week to week. And my routine kind of goes in a two week cycle.
0: But if that's what works for you, then, then that's important to find that harmony for your own rhythm and your own body and your own family. Exactly. I, I think so many people miss out on the idea that their body has a rhythm and that their life has a rhythm. And, and you have to find the rhythm that works for you. Not every rhythm is the same. Right. There's we all know that there's people that love staying up at night. There's people that love getting up at 4 a.m. And 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 you got to find the one that fits. And then and then, of course, you know, if you've got a son that loves to get up at 4 a.m., you got to figure it out. Right. <laughs> and oh, my gosh. And you make changes.
1: That's my biggest struggle. Cause I am a creative. I do. My productivity peaks in the afternoons and the evenings and no, that does not line up with a child at that stage either. So, you know, you make adjustments, you have to figure out what works best for you, but also what works best for your lifestyle and where they overlap. Like that's, that's where you want to be.
0: Well, I, I love that you found it and that you're making it work. And obviously personally for you to, to find the courage to, to keep going. Um, obviously one of the big attitude shifters in my life and and in many others is gratitude and, and having that opportunity to, to find the things that you're grateful for. How has gratitude served you in, in this personal growth journey?
1: Oh, wow. That's a good question. Um, gratitude always makes what you have enough, right? It helps you to slow down and not be bogged down in the day-to-day, all of the little details that can be so overwhelming. It, it, it makes what you have enough, and that's what happiness
0: is, isn't it? Well, I hope so. <laughs> I mean, I think the biggest piece is you focus on what you've got, which helps you not focus on what you don't have. Mm. And I think too many of us can get caught up focusing on what we don't have. And then we focus on what we can't control, and then we feel like our lives are completely out of control. (laughs) And so focusing on what you do have to start the day gives you a grounding, right, and and a spirit of, of, you know, gratefulness throughout the day for what you do have. And and then it's a lot easier to look at the things, well, these are things I can control and all that other stuff, who cares, (laughs) right? Letting all that other stuff go um, is pretty powerful.
1: That's a great way to put it. Gratitude stops the spiral.
0: (laughs) I hope so. Yeah. (laughs) It's just too easy to spiral today, right? There's just so much influence that that pulls us in the wrong direction. And we have to be very intentional about staying positive and focusing on the things we can control and focusing on the destination that we want.
1: Absolutely. Comparison is like the antithesis of gratitude, right? When you're focusing on the things you don't have. And that that triggers a spiral every time for anybody.
0: Absolutely. All right. So let's dig into this psychology thing a little bit more. And and, and obviously, you know, branding and psychology and graphic design and how those three intersect to create online presence.
1: Absolutely. So branding is really about discovering who you are and who you're speaking to so who your audience is and who you want to be and the area where those three things overlap is really where you find your magic and your unique positioning and what makes you you why your audience should choose you in the first place so once you have that strategy in place i always say you have to start with strategy first then you can move on to your branding second and then you can do your design and marketing third. So you start with the strategy. You start with looking at who you are and who your audience is and who you want to be. And then you start being intentional about that. You create your brand visuals. And there's a psychology to all of that the fonts, the colors, the shapes, they all have meaning and they're different in different cultures, but it has to be in alignment with who you want to be and who. What you want your reputation to be right branding is really all about creating an intentional reputation
0: well and and even if you choose not to have a brand and not to put a brand out there you have a brand
1: mm-hmm. absolutely and that's that's kind of the secret and the key between a small business with a small brand and a business with a big brand because you can have a small business and be a big brand. You just have to be intentional about it.
0: And absolutely. But, but I think some some people might be listening and say, well, I'm small and I can't afford a brand. But but choosing not to have a brand and choosing not to be intentional in that is a brand.
1: Absolutely. Your brand, I, I think it was Jeff Bezos that said, your brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room. Mm. It's your reputation. Whether you're intentional about it and you're designing it yourself or you're letting it be created by someone else, you have a brand. And if you're letting someone else create it, they may be seeing things and picking up on things um, that you send through you know, your voice, your the things you say, your messaging, your visuals um, that aren't quite in alignment with your goals as a business. And that's when you start to have problems, when things aren't in alignment, when they're not consistent. Um, so you don't have to be big to do the work. Okay, you can be small, but you do have to do the work to get bigger.
0: Oh, so good. All right. So now that you you dug into that a little bit, let's talk about the power of social and and how some people <laughs> want to keep their, you know, keep their profile private and or, you know, not pay attention to what they share on social or, you know, certainly there's there's topics that are divisive. And and people want to share and they want to say, Oh, I agree. Or, Oh, I love this. And, you know, putting dumpster fires on every, (laughs) every page of their social media. What impact does that have when you're not intentional about your social?
1: So you want to, it's not about you at the end of the day, right? That's, what some people don't necessarily understand. And that's kind of the line between personal social media and business social media, because even, even your about page, even your bio has to be about your audience and who they support and who they want to work with. And when that's in alignment, you know, that's, that's when you have that, that brand magic. So if you're wanting to attract that crowd, you know, the crowd of whatever controversial topic it is that you feel that you want to talk about, um, then fine, go for it. But if that's not in alignment with your audience, you're going to do some real damage that can't be undone.
0: Absolutely. And I, I, I like how you put that, but it's not about you.
1: No, it's not. (laughs)
0: And, And you have to be willing to let go of your wants and desires. So now, I don't want this to come across as we're giving people permission to be inauthentic. Mm -mm. What we're trying to do is talk about being intentional and and there's a difference between authenticity and intentionality.
1: Absolutely. Um, And (laughs) you have to have a filter, like every brand, especially if you have a personal brand, you have to share some of yourself, but that doesn't mean you have to share everything you ate for breakfast that day, right? (laughs) There's a filter and you don't have to pick and choose. It's not like you're hiding who you are, but depending on your industry and depending on who your audience is, you do have to just kind of control the image you're putting out there, right? Like it just think of it as a dress code. Okay. You're not going to show up to a business meeting in a diving suit. You may love diving, you may go swimming every day. But you're not going to show up to a meeting wearing the diving suit.
0: That's an interesting way to put it. I like that address a code. And, and the difference is, you want to make sure that that you're on brand. And of course, if your brand has been built correctly, your brand is authentic to who you are and who you want to serve. And so it's not like we're asking you to you, you keep your social you know, different than who you really are. It's just cutting off the rough edges (laughs) for some.
1: I mean, you can be private. I'm a very private person. I, gosh, I didn't even have a Instagram account until last fall. Okay. So I've been on Instagram for less than a year and I've still been very picky and choosy on what I, I share. I do share pictures of my son, but they're very minimal. There's not a whole lot of his face. Um, And that's just me being private, but you definitely need to be authentic. I think being genuine is one of the biggest compliments you can give anybody. And when you choose your brand values, when you figure out what you want to be as a brand and what resonates with your audience, there are certain values that should be a given, right? So I've seen so many business owners they write out their values, they go through the exercises and they say, I'm trustworthy. I'm like, well, yeah, so is everybody else. (laughs) That's a given. That should not be a value. If you're not trustworthy, I don't want to work with you. Sorry.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Obviously there's some values that should be obvious and, and, and don't necessarily need to be in your value statement. And that, that opportunity to be genuine, I think, there's a temptation, especially online, especially in socials. So we talk about the extremes, right? So we don't want to be radical. We don't want to, you know, we want to trim off the edges radical wise, but we also don't want to try to come across as somebody else. And, and I think the challenge is so many feel like, well, I'm not, a, I'm not as good as they are. I'm not an expert at that comparison piece, mm. right? So I need to, I need to post posts like they post and copy their posts and and put you know put their quotes up and and I think the challenge is of course if somebody does hire you they're actually hiring that other person they're not hiring you because you've been acting like that other person and so then then when there's not a fit when it's incongruent right you're not in harmony you're not in alignment um it's because your branding was not consistent.
1: Absolutely. If you're not putting out who you are, if you're putting out who someone else is, you're not going to attract the people that you want to work with that are a good fit for you. You're not going to be attracting those dream clients that you want to work with and who want to work with you. Um, and of course, if you know, it's cliche, but it's true. If you're speaking to everyone, you're speaking to no one and you It's scary to define your audience and to niche down, but it opens up a world of possibility because suddenly you're attracting these people that are qualified leads that are perfect for you and you're perfect for them. And just because you're talking to a particular audience and you're niching down doesn't mean you have to say no to anybody else that you attract. Those people, you're going to attract those people too. It just means that that's who you're speaking to in your marketing.
0: So let's dig a little bit deeper into that because there's a fear, right? In the niche the niche gets so small, but the, the value of a smaller niche is that you can focus your wording and your, your language and your imaging and everything around that niche and everything becomes consistent, becomes easier for you to communicate the value that you're bringing to that group. Um, and, and of course you start attracting that group. And then of mm-hmm. course you start attracting the people that are around that group. And and so there is huge value in in that process. But it seems to be one of the hardest things to convince early yeah. entrepreneurs of this huge value.
1: Absolutely. It it can be scary because it feels like you're saying no to something, but you're really saying yes to all this opportunity. It makes everything easier for you as an entrepreneur. Because all of these decisions are suddenly made for you. When you have a specific person you're speaking to in mind already, everything you write, everything you put out there, it it just happens. It's so much easier. And then it makes you so much more memorable to everybody else. They know who you are and they know who you're about. Um, I mean, I think real estate agents are a perfect example. Because how many of us know at least five real estate agents? (laughs) And who would you recommend, like if somebody asked you, "Hey, do you know a great real estate agent?" There might be one or two people on your list that you would recommend, and that's because you like them probably as a person, and you're not quite sure if the person that's asking would be a good fit or not. So when real estate agents really niche down, niche down to their they choose their niche, whatever you want to say there <laughs> um, that's really what makes them memorable and stand out. I, I was working with a real estate agent a couple months ago and he had been in the tennis industry for over 25 years. Okay. So he was a, he was a great tennis coach. Everyone in the community calls him coach and he's making the shift to real estate. So we found what makes him unique. He's a coach. We found, we know where he's going. He's, building his real estate industry. Um, so then we take a look at his audience. We want those three circles and we want to figure out where they overlap, right? So he wants to work with his ideal audience. is retirees who are downsizing but want to stay active. They want that active community. And he wants to work with families who upsizing but they're all about the community right they want the swim the tennis courts and the neighborhood and 25 years in tennis he knows a thing or two about community amenities right so his branding is all around community lifestyle and he's going to coach you through your move nice doesn't that stand out don't you remember that
0: of course well and and as a networker as a professional networker you know when i think of real estate agents it are it is the ones that have niched down that I can recommend, right? If you're looking for mountain property, I know two people that work in mountain properties. If you're looking for horse properties, I know real estate agents that work exclusively with horse properties. And so it's absolutely valuable, especially, you know, I mean, in Colorado, there's 30,000 realtors licensed (laughs) in Colorado. And yeah, if you don't make yourself stand out in some way, then you're just going to be one of 30,000 people that they can choose from.
1: Absolutely, and that doesn't mean that someone's going to come along and say, "Oh, you know, I don't want that community lifestyle. We're not a good fit. Like I'm not going to work with you. You don't have to say no if they do. It just means that that is what your marketing is geared towards
0: well, and 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 it like you said, it makes all those decisions. Now, all of his language can be focused on the things that he naturally talks about anyway. Where are the tennis courts? Where are the you know, my sister is a swimmer. She's been a swimmer her whole entire life. And she moves into towns and finds the swimming pool before she finds her house. (laughs) So that for the people that are active, have that active lifestyle, that's absolutely an important element. And, and not everybody understands that, but the people like coach that do that's really important. And so why not use that in your language and why not narrow down to that kind of people that are going to understand your language and you're going to understand theirs and you guys are going to connect regardless of whether or not you're buying and selling a house for him.
1: Absolutely. And his, his visual identity, going back to the psychology of it all has to be in alignment with that. So he can't have, you know, soft, subtle colors and lines, you know, if he is about an active lifestyle, he needs a bright, bold visual identity to go along with that.
0: Absolutely. Well, that's what we need branding experts for.
1: This is what I love. (laughs) I do. I really do.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit. Obviously, you you knew early on the graphic design element, the art element, the business element. What helped you make the transition and and understand the business side of of building your business and, and growing?
1: Um. I guess this is kind of cliche, but um, people having that growth mindset, getting out there and being willing to learn and connecting with people and with every person I connected with, I learned something new and they connected me to somebody else. And suddenly I was going to these masterminds and I was joining this group and I was learning about this. And it, you know, it's all about networking and being open-minded and learning.
0: So let's dig a little deeper into connection and and the power of connection and building your business and yourself, obviously.
1: Yeah. You have to have a growth mindset. Absolutely. (laughs) Across the board.
0: (laughs) So, and then how do connections help you grow your business?
1: You never know what somebody's dealing with, right? You never know their journey, taking the time, to serve first, to offer value, and to just connect with them and learn about them. You're always going to learn something in return. You're always going to walk away with, you know, that golden nugget that you didn't have before that's going to take you somewhere else in your journey. Every success that I've had, and I'm sure that you've had, you can trace back to someone, someone who influenced you or directed you somehow.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, connection is, is everything. And part of the reason I started the podcast is because of the connections that the podcasting can create and make and the people that I've had conversations with that are at incredible levels in business and in life. And so, so yeah, connection is, is so valuable. We will be right back after this short break. This episode is sponsored by the newly released book, Dream Life Planner, Move from Tired and Overwhelmed to Free and Empowered by Noelle L. Peterson, available on Amazon. Or you can order a personalized signed copy at Empower, E-M-P-O-W-E-R 2, dream.com. That's Empower, number two, dream.com. If you enjoy the show, please like and subscribe, leave a review, tell your friends. Welcome back. Let's get back to more greatness. But you mentioned something in there that not everybody I, don't, I think doesn't recognize, right? the ability to learn something from everyone that you meet and take something away um, that's that's a pretty powerful little snippet that that you know that I can grab something and I can hang on to it right I think the challenge for so many at least coming from my side as, as a coach is that so many people have heard a lot of these things especially the cliche things and it's easy to say oh I knew that and the minute you say, you know, oh, I knew that, your brain stops and says, of course, if you know that, you don't need to listen anymore. And the brain's going to save energy. But you're talking about connecting and meeting with people and, and and having this intention of, man, I can learn something from every one of them. That's pretty powerful.
1: I mean, even if it's what not to do, you're going to learn something. <laughs>
0: But not everybody has that learning mindset, I think, um, especially networking. I think a lot of networking people are so focused on on who can I get business from? Who can I sell mm-hmm. from? And so, so powerful that you you going in there with the attitude of serving first and learning. It, and that takes away all the pressure of of trying to sell everybody in the room or collect all mm-hmm. their business cards to put on your email list.
1: Some of my best referrals have come from small business owners that I didn't even work with. They wanted to work together. They weren't quite ready. We still took the time to meet and, you know, just talk about where they are, how I could help them in their process. And, you know, a month later I'm getting a referral to one of the biggest clients I've signed. Like you never know where that success is going to come from.
0: That's so good. I like it. All right. Going to dig a little into, uh, you already mentioned that your son inspires you, motivates you, drives you. Um, What do you and your son love to do?
1: Oh gosh. I don't know how much of this is developing in him because it's what he loves or if he's just enjoying it through me right now, but I definitely love getting out and kayaking and going waterfall chasing. And I live in Atlanta. It's the city and the forest, and it's one of my favorite things. You can spend all week in the city and go spend all weekend in the mountains. And when everything shut down a few years ago, that's what we did. We lived in the kayak. We lived on the water. And he was four. And he enjoyed it a little bit, but he complained a little bit too. This is the first year that he's asking to go do it. And that makes me so happy.
0: (laughs) Nice. That's fun. I like that. Yeah, six is a beautiful age. I, our grandson is turning six this summer, and, and it's just, at least for me as grandpa, it's just a lot more fun now because we can do Legos, and we can do dominoes, and we can communicate and, and just it, having fun at a, at a whole different level, which includes you know a higher level of communication um, in the process. So, so much joy there.
1: Definitely. It's funny, though, that we like it for very different reasons. Um, <laughs> you, you mentioned getting down and playing, and I, I'm not about the playing. I really am not. That's just not something that I've enjoyed about having a child, getting on the floor and building the Legos and stuff. Um, I wish I did. I try. I do it anyway, of course. But this is the age where he's kind of growing out of that and having the interest in going to the other things. So I do feel like we're connecting on a different level, just like you said, but in a very different way.
0: Yeah. Well, even at the beginning, so, you know, a couple of years ago when he was actually still living with us at the time and uh, we, only thing you could do is walk, right? And there there was this thing where everybody was putting bears in their, in their windows so you could do a bear hunt through the neighborhood. And so um, before we, Before I taught him to ride his bike, um, which happened last year also, but um, we were walking through the neighborhood and and the moon was out and he's like, grandpa, look at the moon. And he's like, I want to sleep on the moon. And so for me, it was just an opportunity to dig in to that with curiosity and say, wow, tell me more. What would it be like to sleep on the moon? And man, how would we get there? And we just, so we've written a book. We're 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 going to get a graphic designer to do the illustrations. But the, you know, he talked about tying ladders together. He talked about throwing a rope up there and talked about waiting for it to get to the edge of the mountain so we can jump on when it goes down over the mountains. And I just it was just a great conversation. And I, I think that. about I think about so many conversations really come back to the mind of a child and the imagination and that, that anything is possible and how easily, of course, our parents killed that for us and parents and grandparents can kill that for their kids. Cause when you say, you know, Oh, I want to sleep on the moon. It's so easy to say that can't happen. <laughs> right. It's I just mean, too easy.
1: At what point did obstacles kill our dreams though? Like at what point oh. was a challenge like the, the end game? Cause it's, right. you just said it perfectly as a child, we see those obstacles as a challenge to overcome and we get creative and we think of, well, we can do this instead, or we can do this. And like at some point in our journey, we look at that and say, okay, that's a shut door instead of how can I open it?
0: Well, I I think it's when they stuck us in school and they started grading everything that we were doing. And so (laughs) I think that's also where failure became such a negative because prior to Prior to school, you didn't even know what failing was until you're taking on this report card that's like, oh, dear. (laughs) And of course, I was young enough to be carrying a report card home that was handwritten by my teachers. And if it didn't make it home, you know, (laughs) nowadays, it's all digital, electronic, and much harder to to hide.
1: (laughs) I've started a new thing with my son. He's going into first grade um, next year, and he's a smart kid. Things come easy to him, and I know that he's going to start facing more challenges, and, you know, that's hard. Fail- like you said, failure is hard. Um, I've, <laughs> instead of asking him, like, what was the best part of your day, at the end of every day, I've started asking him, what did you fail at today? Like I want failure to become a normal thing, and every time he makes a mistake, starting when he was like three, every time he made a mistake, I would get excited and say, "Oh my gosh, you just learned something! Your brain just grew!" Like I want failure to be a good thing.
0: That's so powerful. Good for you. <laughs> I, I wish I'd have learned that lesson when my kids were were young, because, um, and and I I learned, but I still reacted, and the reaction, of course, had so much impact. Um, you know, my wife and I made the decision that we wanted home to be a safe space, that I didn't want my kids running to someplace else because home wasn't safe. So they could no matter what's happened in life, home's safe. We're not gonna we're not gonna get upset and destroy and dist- whatever happened, whatever mistakes you've made, home's gonna be safe and we're gonna walk you through whatever, you know, we'll be there with you. But that doesn't mean I'm not gonna freak out when I find out what happened. <laughs> And then, calm down and figure out, all right, how can I support you through this and And we've got you. Um, I, I wish I had learned how to not freak out, but uh, it's part of that growing process.
1: I'm right there with you. <laughs> I, I'm right there with you. I mean, the only thing harder than being an entrepreneur is being a parent.,
0: I'm glad that you labeled it as harder <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it, it it is I, I think it's empowering though, because obviously, so many people become parents, right? I mean, a lot more people are parents than entrepreneurs for certain. And yet, if you if they recognized that if parenting's the hardest thing you've ever done, entrepreneurship wouldn't be so bad, and they could make the leap. And of course, I think more people are making the leap now than than ever before, um, and that's so exciting because I think entrepreneurs are going to save the world, and that's just because I believe they're more nimble and. And they're more creative, and they're more responsive, and they're more in touch with their purpose in impacting the world. And so, I think entrepreneurs are going to make a bigger difference. Yeah, big corporations can throw money at stuff, but I don't know if their heart's always truly in it, right? They're they're doing it to to get the credit f- from the millennials or from the you know, well we support all these organizations, but you know, their heart's not really in it. Whereas entrepreneurs, when they want to make a difference in the world and they're really doing something to make a difference. I I think it really matters. Um, And so huge fan of entrepreneurs, obviously. So,
1: Well, I'm a huge fan of your podcast. You obviously serve with your heart first, your heart centered in everything you do. And I love that.
0: Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I got to make a note to cut that out use it for later. (laughs) (laughs) So, We've been talking about your boy. We talk about play and fun. How important is play and fun? And I know you, you mentioned not wanting to get down on the floor, um, but what other ways have you been creative with your son and
1: brought what play I mean?
0: and fun into your work?
1: Um, I mean, creativity is fun. Cre- being creative for me is like solving a puzzle because you know the destination, you know where you're trying to get, and now you have to figure out how to get there and what's the best way to get there in the most efficient way in the most effective way. And it really is, it's like a puzzle for me, putting it all together and then seeing it when it's done, it's, you know, you just have that feeling of accomplishment and wow, look, I did that. Hmm.
0: That is powerful. (coughs) Excuse me. All right. So you mentioned being a perfectionist, and we haven't (laughs) talked a lot about routines, but how have routines served you? Do you have some routines that you do on a daily basis?
1: Hmm. I mean, I mentioned that I feel like I have two different sets of routines that I cycle through. Um, It's very different if I have my son versus if I don't have my son that day. but it is still consistent in the grand scheme of things. So I guess I guess that's a good thing. Um, I do definitely have a routine. I have two dogs. Um, so they keep me very on schedule around the clock. Um, they know at eleven fifty nine to come put their noses on my leg like at my desk every day. And I stop for lunch and we go for our walk and um I am a firm believer in taking the lunch break, not eating at your desk. Like, that's kind of a non-negotiable part of my routine. No matter what, I am Good getting up from my desk. Um, I think that's, that's really the big one that's consistent every single day, no matter what.
0: Well, we mentioned it earlier about the ability to design your business around your life. And so I love that you have two different sets of routines, right? I have... <laughs> This, these routines that I practice when my son is here, and and this mm-hmm. schedule, and then I have these routines when I'm here with, with just the dogs, and and that's okay.
1: It is. You don't you have, have to do to what force, works for you.
0: You don't have to force your family to fit into, and that's one of the advantages of entrepreneurship, right? Is is that I'm not on a, a nine to five. I don't have to punch a clock to to start my day, and and I do choose to take a lunch every day, which is huge. That's that's an important, you know brain space, any, if, 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 nothing else, right. But it's also consistent with your schedule.
1: Yes. And I'm such an introvert. I know that I need that quiet time to myself, especially on meeting days. And I know that I can't have meetings every day that eats into my productivity more than anything, because I am an introvert, right? I need that time to decompress, to be creative. Um, so I don't take meetings on Mondays. Mondays are my deep work day. All day long, I I have one or two deep, big projects that I knock out. And I get more done on that day than I do Tuesday through Friday.
0: Well, see, that's so valuable, right? You're recognizing your rhythm. You're recognizing what what really works for you. And you're honoring it. So you're not just doing busy work. You're doing, this is a protected day. So I'm making sure I get these specific things done on that protected day. And then recognizing these days that I spend time with all those crazy people, I've got to have (laughs) some time to decompress and and include that in my schedule as well. So as a a designer, how important is, is that consistency?
1: It's so important. If As a single parent, I mean, the biggest challenge as an entrepreneur, the biggest challenge is sleep and being rested. And you cannot be creative when you are drained. And there's two kinds of tired. That I mean, that's really the biggest thing that I've learned in the last few years and as a parent and as an entrepreneur. You can be physically tired and need sleep and you can just be emotionally drained and you need more of what sparks joy in your life, right? So there are nights that yeah, I'm tired. Yeah, I'm falling asleep on the couch, but you better believe I'm going to stay up those extra two hours to watch that new episode of whatever, because I need that joy in my life, too.
0: I like that. I like the recognition of there's two types of of being drained, right? There's that physical energy clock of your body. And then there's also that heart and spirit side. And so good that you fuel them, fuel them both and, and take care of Finding joy in, in both of those spaces So good for you.
1: I try. It is a challenge. I thrive on a a slow routine. You know, getting out in nature, being by the water, helps me slow things down. But I I do get stressed easily, and you know, there's plenty of, of triggers in everyday life, and it, you have to be intentional to <laughs> to keep yourself focused and away from that.
0: Absolutely. So, I think one of the challenges for Entrepreneurs that don't consider themselves creative is is recognizing the power of creativity in regular entrepreneurship, right? I mean, we're creative when you write a Twitter post. You're creative when you create a Facebook post or when you write an email subject line. I mean, that's really creativity, and of course, creating content and all of those other things. Um, but I think not very, not as many. Regular entrepreneurs, non creatives, right? Non artist, dancer, singer, um, musician. You know, if you if you have those, then you feel like you're creative. You feel like you're creating. But those of us that aren't those don't always feel like we're creating. But yet, don't nurture and feed the imagination. How do you feed your imagination?
1: I read, I listen to podcasts, I, self-help. Like honestly, this, what we're talking about right now, this is what inspires me and feeds my soul. And mm. I get up and walk away from us feeling creative every time. That growth mindset, That that's everything for me.
0: Well, I'm going to say I love that because obviously <laughs> <laughs> I like inspiring entrepreneurs and, and encouraging entrepreneurs and love sharing the entrepreneurial journey because I think it's it's so important to, you know, help people believe that it's possible, that I could do it, that I'm just like these other people that Robert's had these conversations with and and walk away with that little snippet that says, oh, I can do it.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, there's peop There are people in my life that wouldn't believe you if wouldn't believe me if I told them I was an introvert because. They are so inspiring to me. We have conversations like this all the time that it doesn't matter how I'm feeling. They don't drain me. They inspire me. And, you know, those for those few people that do that, that just constantly add to my life in positive ways that that's what I want to surround myself with.
0: Absolutely. Well, and I think a lot of people have a misunderstanding of introvert and extrovert, first of all, but um, because if I go to a networking event, I promise I'm getting attention and I'm <laughs> I'm influencing the room and I'm smiling and I'm leaning into people. Mm. But when the event's over, I'm mm-hmm. done with people and I need to get away from people and I need to spend time, you know, hanging out with my wife and and her mm. and I just chilling because because it it takes a great deal of energy. It exactly. does not fuel me to be in a networking room.
1: <laughs> exactly. You can be outgoing but be an introvert.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And so but most people would describe me as an extrovert because of the way I show up in the room. And and of course, I love these conversations. These conversations fuel me. Right. Having a conversation on my podcast, coaching conversations fuel me. Um, But I also get fueled just chilling and relaxing (laughs) and having a ton of quiet time because I love my brain and I want to think I want to spend time, you know, Intentionally having conversations with the voices in my head. so um, and I, and I think a lot of people you know get confused between what fuels them and and what you know what appearance you put out in public.
1: absolutely. And I think you'd kind of just hit the nail on the head when it comes to. Growing and figuring out who you are and where you want to go with your business, like even extroverts, you need to schedule that quiet time to actually process it. Because if there's so much noise, you're never going to, to sit and think about those things and ask yourself the hard questions. And I think that's why sometimes introverts kind of do pull ahead a little bit in that sphere because they understand the priority and they, they schedule that time first,
0: Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about that. Um, Feeding that voice in your head or listening to that, that voice in your head. Which one? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. The
1: good one or the bad one?
0: (laughs) Well, I want to feed the good one. Okay. It it was interesting. I just, I, I did a podcast, uh, for a friend of mine. And, uh, and that he kind of led our conversation led to that place where he said, well, if you don't believe in God and somebody doesn't believe in God, how do you know which, which voice is really true? And my answer was, well, if I get to choose which voice is true for me, why would I choose the negative one? (laughs) But yet the majority of people do because negativity is, is easier. It requires energy to, to choose the positive one. It requires more energy, and and True. and so I think more people choose the negative one because they they love the drama, they love the negative, they 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 spend all their day absorbing all this negative and and feel like they don't have a choice. <laughs> but the truth I is, do we do have a choice.
1: You do, and I I think it requires more energy in the short-term, but not the long-term. I think that's the difference because it's like what I said earlier where you have to choose your heart. They're both hard. They both hurt, but it's, it is easier to accept defeat right off the bat than what did I learn from this? This is just a challenge that I have to overcome, right? That's, that's more energy in the short-term, but in the long-term it's where you succeed.
0: ah, That's, that's wisdom right there. (laughs) No, I mean, it really is. And I think that's the difference, right, is so many people are really short-term thinking. They're, they're microwave thinkers, right? If it mm. if I can't do it in under a minute, if I can't get it delivered in 24 hours, I don't, I don't want the solution. But the truth is personal development takes time. It takes 21 days to develop a habit and takes a lot more time to make it a long-term habit, right? To make it a part of your natural, you know, subconscious. And so It it is harder. It does require that work on the front end, but the rewards last forever.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, I'm going to take it back to branding for just a second here because it is the exact same with your brand. It takes time. Your brand is always growing and evolving. And once you get that focus and you really do the work on discovering who you are, discovering who you're talking to, positioning yourself uniquely, creating that visual identity, then you can really go out there and apply it and build your brand awareness and it, it will just grow and explode and continue to evolve. And there is a difference between changing and evolving. And I think that's also an important thing to note.
0: Well, I, I just, I mean, obviously, you've talked a lot about personal growth, but the truth about personal growth is exactly the same. To grow as a person, you've got to know who you are. You got to know who you're serving and, and, and know what you have to offer them. And so those are the basics of personal development. And the fact that you can tie those same things to your brand, it's like, how much more powerful is that when you intentionally can, can brand yourself as you're in this personal growth process.
1: I couldn't have said it better. I'm literally getting excited and I am going to leave this conversation and I'm not going to crash on the couch. I'm going to go hit my my email marketing and write out all of these ideas that we've been discussing. This is great.
0: That's fantastic. All right. So here's a place might be a little more challenging. You're still young enough in your business, but I, I mean, you talked about giving first, serving first. So what other ways has contribution been a part of, of growing your business and, and you know, giving back to the community and, or, or giving in other ways?
1: Definitely teaching. I love to teach what I do, um, and I love building my community. I like working with startups and solopreneurs that are helping my community grow. Um, so I do, I do fully support um, shopping local, um, you know, building the small brands, that's what I love to do and where I focus.
0: Nice. And obviously, brand building and psychology now is just keeps getting to higher and higher levels, right? I and mean, we're, you know, connecting colors and shapes and languages and values and, <laughs> and so it it does require experts to come alongside mm-hmm. entrepreneurs who do know right i mean the basics for an entrepreneur is i can figure out who i am and who i want to serve and and what i can have to offer them but that's still going to be in you know just just language right i help entrepreneurs understand their story and 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 do this and this and then coming alongside a brand expert allows them to say oh these colors you know, match that these shapes yes. match that. And these are the things that go, go well with that psychology that, that matches you. And then, and then of course, you know, take the time to bring all those pieces together.
1: It's so fascinating.
0: It but really think, is. And I think that's a big challenge for entrepreneurs in those early years, right? Cause what's the very first thing they do. They reserve their company name and they have somebody design a logo.
1: And then the Wait. logo is inconsistent and it's used here, but a completely different font is used here that sends a very different message that they're not even aware is happening.
0: Well, and, and then, and then they're like, Oh, but I, my cousin Joe designed that logo and it was, so <laughs> had it, I've had it since the beginning. Right. Versus being able to say, but now you can create a logo because now you've done the work and now you know who you are and now you can create a logo that matches your brand and you can, You can create a brand. (laughs) I actually am not bigger than just a logo.
1: Yes, I'm actually not for hiring a a professional designer to build a custom brand identity when you first start, because you are still learning what it is you do. You are still growing and changing, and a year later, you may be offering completely different services. And if you spent all this time and money on a brand that was in alignment with something else and then you change, well you're gonna have to redo it now. Um and the truth is you don't need a big fancy logo to start. You really don't. Um, eventually, yes.
0: <laughs> I, I know the problem is it's so easy now, right? I mean, you know, I can find somebody on Fiverr and Upwork and they could have a logo to me in a couple hours. And 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 it just it feels like they're making progress, versus focusing on the inside work that would actually take yes. them leaps and bounds down the road in their business. Um, but the inside Strategy works first.
1: harder. Strategy first. It is harder. Um, I have a five step process that I've developed for my clients that I do. It's something I teach in a digital course I offer. It's something I do with every client that hires me to create their brand for them. We have, you know, a half-day workshop where we sit through and we work through these exercises. And I have it, I have it as simplified as, as we can get it. Simple is not easy, <laughs> but, you know, working through these exercises will get you to where you need to go nice every time
0: well we will include the link in the description for sure
1: sure
0: all right cassie what's the big dream
1: what's the big dream um like my my bucket list dream
0: You tell (laughs) me it's your dream you get to decide which dream you want to share
1: i want to travel the world Um, my bucket list is to see the seven wonders of the world and i'm three for seven so far so getting there i
0: think i'm only one for seven which one? Uh the pyramids in Giza.
1: You know, that is like, like my asterisk. One. They're not. Yeah, I, I want to see the asterisk. seven. I want to see the seven world wonders plus Acropolis plus the pyramids, because they're actually not on the list. Can you believe there that? There
0: you go. See? Well, and I was thinking the original Seven Wonders don't exist anymore. So I wasn't sure. Just That's depends the ancient. on which wonders oh, ancient. There you go. See, I knew there was a difference. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Cassie, that's fantastic. All right, now I just got to tell us what they are. So,
1: oh my gosh, it's like remembering the Seven Dwarfs—you so always forget one.
0: <laughs> well, okay. As long as we only forget one, then we're at least two seven.
1: <laughs> um, so it's the Chichen Itza in Mexico, um, the Great Wall of China, Christ the Redeemer in um, Brazil, the Roman Colosseum, the Taj Mahal. Um, Machu Picchu in Peru, and there we are. I'm forgetting the seventh. I told you I would.
0: There you go. Well, every somebody, time somebody'll know, and they'll, <laughs> they'll let us know. <laughs> All right, Cassie, you spent an hour with an entrepreneur, and you are leaving with Cassie's words of wisdom. What would you share?
1: Um, I would say remember that you don't have to be big to do the work, but you do have to do the work if you want to be big.
0: Nice. Cassie, thank you so much for sharing today. I appreciate you taking the time and what a wonderful conversation. I appreciate you.
1: Thank you, Robert.
0: If you enjoyed the show, please like, subscribe, or leave a review. We have a free gift for you at addvaluemindset.com. That's a d d mindset.com. We've collected some of the best mindset secrets shared by successful entrepreneurs on our podcast, and we want to give them to you for free. ADDValueMindset.com In our next episode, Hal Meyer and Robert have a great conversation, but mostly about being grandpas. We also talk about coaching entrepreneurs and helping them build their business